0: You're listening to the Physically Unable to Perform Podcast, produced by Brian Anderson. Now here's your hosts, Noah Janowski and Ian Jones.
1: Welcome to the Physically Unable to Perform Podcast. My name is Noah Janovsky, and I am here in beautiful, rainy Westchester, Pennsylvania, but I'm joined by by two of my very good friends. We'll start with my co-host and best friend, Ian Jones. Jonesy,
0: how the heck are you?
2: First of all, suck it, Brian. I'm the best friend. Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, It is raining ridiculously hard here right now in Fairy Village, Kansas. Yeah, cats and dogs are falling from the sky. Someone needs to call Animal Control. But uh, yeah, we're doing okay. Um, Just hanging out at home. Love living with the parents. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Not... And yeah, I'm excited to get on this episode of the Pub Pod. Let's get it going.
1: And joined by our producer and very good friend, Brian Anderson Banders. How the heck are
0: ya? I'm really excited for this episode. I think we have a great lineup going on today. I think we got something new for the viewers and the fans. I think we're going to really knock this one out of the park.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, He's we're very
0: shot, folks. <laughs>
1: very excited to announce that we had on our first guest in a very long time, but Kansas City Chiefs writer Pete Sweeney. Uh, it was for a great thirty-minute interview. Um, really excited for you guys to hear that. But but boys, before we get to that interview, let's get to our takes of the week. Now, Jonesy, get to it.
2: All right. So we'll we'll start talking NHL playoff. We obviously know there was a. New plan coming out with how they're going to end up finishing off this season, but we'll get into that later. My main take of this, though, is that the quarantine playoff should have alternate jerseys for every team, and all proceeds from jersey sales should be donated to COVID relief. I think it'd be really cool. We're not in a traditional Stanley Cup playoff format. It's time to break out some new stuff. Why not new jerseys? I think it'd be cool. A lot of teams that are in this don't really have alternate jerseys. The Canadians and the Blackhawks come to mind. I just I I'm a big fan of alternate jerseys in the NHL, and I would love to see some new style get whipped out in this quarantined playoff. I
1: was watching an old Flyers Oilers game the other day, and if they could bring back their jerseys from like the Lindros days or the or the late '80s, I mean, like that would be sick. But I mean, there are a ton of teams that. Well, are you saying create a new alternate jersey or? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I would be jersey's so down entirely. for that.
2: A new home and away, I think it'd be awesome.
1: I think it would be interesting for sure. Um I'm just Although trying to it think.
2: would hurt the Penguins because Crosby is historically bad when playing in alternate jerseys.
1: Well, but he did win the winter classic in a shootout in an alternate, so and
2: then he got concussed in the next one in an alternate, so
1: <laughs> Okay, fair. <laughs> win a regular season game, have like three years worth of concussion issues.
2: You gotta weigh it there. It's
1: pretty <laughs> even, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the best definitely. player in the world, basically in and out for three years, no big deal. Brian, you have any thoughts on that idea?
0: I love it. I think that if the Rangers were to bring back the uh, the Lady Liberty thirds, I think oh. it would be unreal. Those would be oh, Water like
1: Derek
0: Molly the Yeah, It would be like, all and, like if Boston were big bad, bring back the uh, the big Bruin on the on the on the crest there. Yeah, I love those jerseys. Like certain things like that, like. You could have the hurricanes wear the old whaler uniforms. Like we could get really oh, that creative would be a blessing. and really fun with this stuff. You know it would be
1: sick would be if the Oilers I, I don't know if a lot of people liked them, but I always did. They had like dark they had like dark blue jerseys. It was like only no. totally dark blue and white with the big oil drop on no. it.
0: Those, were, the, those were terrible. Not bad. really I always big liked
1: no. them. The Ryan Smith
2: jerseys. They I mean, weren't those. as bad as the uh, Preds ones, the mustard yellow with the Ooh. skeleton of the saber tooth tiger on the front. I Not thought as bad, those
1: though. were cool, too.
2: God, your taste just needs to figure it out. Maybe I'm
1: thinking of the wrong one, but if I'm thinking of, like, the ones in Shell where you go back and it's, like, the first jerseys they ever wore, I thought they were kind of cool.
2: All right. I mean, that's, that's your opinion.
1: <laughs> different strokes for different folks, I guess. But we'll move on to my take of the week. That being, I think—I mean, there's been a lot of talk on the NHL, obviously— but we're going to look at the NBA here. A lot of talk going on in the NBA, what their format for the playoffs is going to be. I think an idea that's been thrown around and, and discussed, uh, predominantly I saw an article done by Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, was that the NBA should look at doing a World Cup-style group play stage to uh, for their playoffs. And, and so how it would work would be, the 16 current playoff teams would qualify for the group stage, plus the four teams with the next best records. So 10 best teams from each conference, um, where five tiers would be created it within the 20 teams. So four teams for each tier. Um, and and then the groups could be randomly drawn or you could do, you know, like the first seat, uh, it could be like one, the best team. And then if it, if, if it were the bucks, for example, so it'd be like, uh, top team in tier one gets the bottom team in tier two, and and figure out how that all works. I think that would be really cool, and, and then it, it would be a great way so that you know it. it there's been talk of a complete one through sixteen reseed. I just think it would be really cool. I mean, with what the NHL is doing, going with a different route that's interesting, and the NBA talking about a an in season tournament. I think this would be a cool way to look at maybe maybe. Going into the future, what they could do with that—I mean, I just think it would be a lot cooler than you know the traditional one through sixteen or one through eight series that they they do. And uh, especially for how different the situation is right now with with Corona and everything. I mean, guys, do you have any take on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think it would definitely be an interesting thing to look at. And I I like what you said that they're they've been talking about this whole mid season tournament or in season tournament, whatever you want to call it, for a long time now. And I think this would be a, this. Playoff is a great opportunity to play around with how that might be formatted. I mean, there's so many different ways you can format a tournament. I mean, I think we figured that out in the driveway playing roller hockey. But I mean, there's just there's so many different ways that you can figure out how to get every team to play each other and then how to set up an elimination stage from that. I I, I like the idea. I just don't know how well it would actually work in practice just because it's so different. But I mean, I'm definitely open to anything that gets us more basketball this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, so so I didn't really delve into it enough, but how it would work would be teams would play opponents within their groups twice, so every team would play eight games, and the two teams in each group with the best record would move on. Um, presumably a tiebreaker would be highest winning percentage from the regular season. Um, and and you'd find that each group would be pretty even, and I think you would get a lot more of a possibility um, of an upset happening, or or for a team to like sneakily win in if they get good matchups. I mean... Looking at at O'Connor's article right now, I mean, you look at he has a, a projection of the groups, and one of the groups being the Lakers, the Heat, the Rockets, the Magic, and the Pelicans. Well, if I'm a Pelicans fan going into that, I'm really not that scared. Where, where yeah, like definitely
2: be the second best team in that group.
1: Yeah, they could easily go out and dominate, and and I mean, you look at uh, other groups where it's like. He has presumably uh, the Clippers, Nuggets, Pacers, Nets, Kings. from the Kings, I, I I mean, I think the Pacers and Nuggets and the Clips are all very good. I don't really think they have a chance. But the Pels, I think there's a lot more parity with the Heat and the Rockets than there are. I just think it could lead to some really interesting development um, opposed to the traditional, you know, first-round series that doesn't really matter because the Bucks would stomp all over, you know, the Magic or something. It would just be worthless TV. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just... I'm up for different things because I think what the NHL is doing is super innovative and and different and creative. So, uh, you know, desperate times call for innovative and interesting measures. That's how I'm looking at it. But, Brian, you got a pretty heated take here. Brian, go ahead.
0: I do have a heated take, but I want to make one point on the NBA. Yeah, go ahead. You talked about NHL alts for the playoffs. What if the NBA did throwback jerseys for their playoffs? Like – the Bucks wearing their part like those purples with the buck on it. The Jazz bringing yeah. back the mountains. All that, you know, like I'm, little I'm things like that. Do that. Sixers Man, bringing I
1: back the AI jerseys. I would. Yeah,
0: like the gold jerseys with them. Like the Raptors could bring back the. Um, the I know the they already won this year. They could wear the gold, or they could bring back the purples again with the dinosaurs on them, like those little be things like sick. that. Sick. Yeah, I mean but the, the the Pistons could go back to like. Well, the Pistons aren't making the playoffs. My bad. I was thinking the Pistons <laughs> jerseys, thinking it's throwbacks, but. Um, the, Pel- Miller, like the, the pelicans stuff could wear hot
2: Hornet- blast color jerseys. The pelicans <laughs> yeah.
1: could wear hornets jerseys. I mean, it would just be crazy. It would be insane. Um, no, but that
2: real quick, speaking of alternate jerseys, the Memphis Grizzlies have that Vancouver Grizzlies throwback.
0: They would be able to wear that.
2: Yeah. But okay, real quick. I will never understand why it still says Vancouver Grizzlies on that Jersey. They should have just changed it to Memphis. It's like five, it's six letters or seven. I can't even count, but it's so dumb that they have another city on their Jersey. It makes me, I think
1: the Nugs could do the Nugs could go back to their skyline one with the rainbow. That'd be sick. I liked hot. I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I thought the Reggie Miller era Pacers jerseys with the pinstripes were nasty.
0: I like that. I like those. A lot. I thought
1: those were sweet. And the Thunder could wear like Sonics jerseys. Oh, oh, be absolutely disgust. Oh, if the Lakers wore the blue and whites, oh.
0: Yeah, we're just loving this yeah, alternate jersey I think train the today. Wore, like the old, like Blazers ones. No, too. they would wear the Buffalo the Bears, Brave Buffalo ones. Base, yeah. yeah, the
1: orange and black and white ones. Yeah. Those would be
0: disgusting.
1: Okay, I'm way too excited about this. But Brian, go ahead with your take. We
0: could have those proceeds go to all same same idea with the NHL. But my take is, or I'm sticking with the video game trend. We usually have like one take about video games, and it's Call of Duty. You're killing my Xbox. You're physically destroying my <laughs> Xbox. It has no more space for your updates. I, we just did a mid-season update, and I play way too much Warzone in my life thanks to the quarantine. 30-gig update mid-season. Okay, that's a lot. It's season like a four full game. F- yeah, it's like a full game. I'm going to have to delete... Uh, I might have to delete a couple games off my thing as of right now. I've already basically cleared out, so my Xbox runs Call of Duty, Chell, Overwatch, and Battlefront 2 right now. I'm definitely going to have to delete one of those games to do this update. Like, if we're talking 30 gigs in the middle of a season... What is it going to be? Double sixty gigs? Like, how long am I have to wait? Wait two days to just play again? Play again? Like Activision, figure it out. Like, everyone complains about it how big they are, and then the servers are kind of lousy at times. Like, yeah, how how big do these files need to be? Figure it out. Everyone's Xbox, PlayStation is suffering.
2: So, I mean, quick solve to your problem here. External external hard drive, man. Yeah, but that, that costs money, Like a terabyte of data, and they just plug into the USB port. And, I mean, that does get rid of the jewel charger on the side of the Xbox, but, I mean, <laughs> you, you got to weigh your options here. I mean, it's just you have to. And, I mean, when you're looking at that much storage, sometimes you got to go for the external hard drive, man. It's not off I opt- might have to. I mean, Brian, right? like, I just want to offer my the drive, right now, man. I mean, figure it out. <laughs>
1: Brian, it, it takes wanna,
2: me
0: forever to download this stuff.
1: I just want to offer my thoughts and prayers to you be, during this difficult time.
0: Oh yeah, I'm really, I'm really suffering right here.
1: <laughs> well, it's also um, that COD, COD. Here's what you need to do: when you have a good game mode, can you just leave it the fuck on, please? <laughs> Dirty old houseboat or whatever it was was the best. It was like Rust and shipment. Well, and well did you see the playlist running now? No, I
0: have 24/7 shoot house, 24/7 shipment. Okay. Uh, team deathmatch. I'll stop uh, domination. Me, man, because that's pretty good. But, but like the playlist they put out for multiplayer is unbelievable. Right also,
1: now. 3v3 knives only gunfight was absolutely electric. You're just running yeah, around throwing knives at each other on these small maps.
0: That was a good time.
1: Throwing knife, throwing a knife directly into somebody's cranium virtually is one of the more satisfying things that I've experienced in life it's yeah, just we
0: we don't condone any of this in real life like, no don't, this is don't, obvious. don't go running around with knives and throwing them at people like, okay don't do that. but this is also yeah, like the console. mom
1: this is also the mom talk that like when my when i was like 12 <laughs> my mom being like no if you play cod in real uh, you're gonna start shooting people in real life like oh nope. you're right i'm so yeah like i'm gonna go purchase an ar-15 at age 12 and just start f- destroying my neighborhood yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely <laughs> The little Jesus. kid who stole my basketball is absolutely done for. Like, what? <laughs> because of COD? Are you kidding me? I might develop some bad language, but, like, that's about it.
2: I remember I used to have to bring Grand Theft Auto over to your house in a different games case so that your mom wouldn't get suspicious and we I played GTA in the basement.
1: I, I bought it off eBay at age 15 because, like, I was like, fuck this, I'm not waiting anymore, and I still have it in the NHL 15 case. a boy.
0: Beautiful. It's Beautiful.
1: not even like It's not even like I'm a afraid of hiding anymore it's just like it's a nice ode to the past
2: yeah exactly don't find I mean, tradition
1: <laughs> helicopter guy had to live on somehow exactly but with that some really good discussion for our takes of the week but let's kick it to our interview with pete sweeney great interview so happy to have had him on here we go pete sweeney
3: don't shove sand up the flea's ass in there Knock on wood if you're with me.
1: And now we are fortunate enough to welcome on Pete Sweeney. Pete is the editor in chief and the lead Chiefs writer for SB Nation's Airwood Pride. He also hosts the Chiefs pre and post game show on 610 Sports Kansas City while also co hosting the KC Morning Show. Pete, thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for uh, welcoming me on. I mean, definitely, definitely. We're really excited to talk some Chiefs football with you. Obviously, reigning Super Bowl champions in. And uh, I both lived in Kansas City for a very long time, so definitely know how excited that city was for the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, we'll get right to it here. Um, obviously, Denver loaded up on offensive weapons uh, for Drew Locke in the draft. San Diego got their hopeful QB of the future. And the Raiders actually, I mean, draft a, a clone of Tyreek Hill in the first round. Pete, if you were an opposing GM trying to build a team to beat the Chiefs, would you follow the rest of the AFC West's lead? and uh, try and run and gun with the Chiefs? Or would you would you go a different route?
3: Yeah, I think the bottom line right now for every team that's trying to compete, be it in the AFC West or the AFC in general, the first step is having a quarterback. So I think you saw Denver take that step, and now they believe in Drew Locke. I thought it was really interesting that they went two wide receivers back-to-back to begin the draft. They are sort of waving that proverbial white flag that says, all right, we know that in order to stick with Patrick Mahomes, we're going to have to score with Patrick Mahomes. But again, the first step is the quarterback. So I look at the Chargers, you see them draft Herbert, that, that makes sense. He's not going to be ready from what you can tell at the beginning of the year. So maybe they start with Tyrod Taylor. I don't necessarily believe in Derek Carr in Oakland. So I'm curious to see if Marcus Mariota added the blue might make a run to to win that quarterback position. So I think the first step is quarterback. And that's why to me, the Baltimore Ravens have the best thing going because they've sort of checked that box off. Lamar has to perform in the playoffs. I think everybody knows that, but they've now surrounded him with a better defense. And let's see now if they can roll with the chiefs. Don't forget in this upcoming season, only one team is going to have the bye in the AFC. And that's going to be huge because the other teams will not, they'll be playing that extra week. So the Ravens and the chiefs have something immense to play forward. That really has not existed before since you would have the two buys.
2: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, I totally agree. I don't really believe in Derek Carr there, but I, I agree with what you said. I think Mariota could be coming up for a little bit of a resurgence here this season. Um, I like what they've got going there. Uh, drafting rugs in the first round I thought was a really good call for them because obviously speed is king in the NFL right now. Right. And when you add something like that, that just adds a whole other element to your offense that the defense keeps them on their toes. And I think L.A. is a really interesting situation with Herbert and Taylor there because I think you might get to a point in the middle of the season where you see something in Herbert off the, off the game field where they might end up plugging him into the starting role if Taylor's not getting them where they want to be. But I think right now, like you said, it's just it's keeping up with the offense of the Chiefs. and obviously, you, like you all starts at the quarterback position and the AFC, it's it's an open field as far as the rest of the field goes from behind the Chiefs and the Ravens. So I think it'll be really interesting to see there.
1: Well, and Pete, you mentioned the uh, Ravens and the Chiefs obviously are the are the front runners going into this this year with the uh, going into this year, top two seats from last year's playoffs. Do you think there's like a dark Horse team that might give the Chiefs a lot of trouble? like matchup wise, or or do you think the Ravens are probably their main competition?
3: I think the Colts are really interesting from last year and they probably felt like they were a quarterback away. And Phillip rivers has some of this unfinished business, I think both to prove to the LA chargers that he wasn't done and to finally find a way to beat the Kansas city chiefs. So you see them being ultra aggressive going for guys that they see fit. They traded their top pick in the draft for DeForest Buckner and ended up paying him all that money. Nobody's really talking about the Colts and they felt a quarterback away. Don't forget last year. And I know the chiefs had a number of injuries early on in the season, Tyree kill and Watkins and Eric Fisher included. So you have to keep that in mind, but Jacoby Brissett beat Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's the sentence that you could say with accuracy. I know there were injuries. I know Pat was injured. Uh, so what are they going to be able to do now? Now that they feel like they've got a quarterback in Phillip rivers, who still has a lot left in the tank. Another pick to me, and I won't go into detail of this because it fe- it feels funny, laughable now, is the Cleveland Browns. Because everyone always is like, oh, the Cleveland Browns, they're they're going to be in the mix. And then they're just an embarrassment again. But, man, on paper, they look good. And it's just, can they, under this new head coach and Kevin Stefanski, finally put it all together? Because then they, they may be interesting in the AFC as far as being in the top two teams. I just don't think anyone comes close right now to the Ravens or, or Chiefs, as you alluded to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think definitely good points made there, and, and I think it's interesting. I mean, from I'm I'm actually an Eagles fan, and uh, looking back these last couple of years, it I can't remember a, a team returning as many starters as the Chiefs are from their Super Bowl win. I mean, w- that being said, with twenty of their twenty two starters returning, do you think the Chiefs are are going to improve? With, obviously, now being at the mountaintop with I mean, a lot of continuity there. Obviously, Andy coming back, the whole staff. Um, or or do you think there's potential for a regression.
3: I mean, there's always potential for a regression when you have the top five or a top five offense for two years running. So the chiefs have been able to pull that off. You you would think, okay, this has to slow down. But what is the ultimate, maybe not card, I guess you could say is that they have Andy Reid, who is reinventing himself every year for the past 20, 21 years. I mean, you as an Eagles fan probably got to see a little bit of that. He outwards welcome a little towards the end there when the Eagles felt like they couldn't get over that next hump. He was finally able to achieve that in Kansas City. And I think what's different about the Chiefs, and this isn't to take away from Donovan McNabb or Michael Vick or anything like that, is I think they feel like and Andy Reid feels like he finally has the quarterback, perfect quarterback he's always dreamed of in Mahomes, where he does have these really rare traits. He's really good out of structure to an extent, what Vic and McNabb were, but almost to the extreme level. And so I think through Mahomes, they'll continue to be able to reinvent themselves. They've restocked a bit. I thought the Clyde Edwards-Alaire pick was really interesting because I talk about how Mahomes is the perfect quarterback for Andy Reid. You know how Andy Reid handled Philadelphia with Brian Westbrook, and this is someone that they compare to Brian Westbrook the Chiefs actually went as far to say as he may be better than Brian Westbrook. And this is added to an offense with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, McColl Hardman, Sammy Watkins. What can they do next? Like They've been looking for that Kareem Hunt replacement for a few years now. And a lot of people here seem to think that that is what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can be for them.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's a great point. And going with that, do you think Damian Williams obviously had a very strong Super Bowl. Do you think uh, Edwards-Hilaire is going to come in and get the lion's share of the carries? Or do you think that's going to be a big battle in camp?
3: Yeah, this is interesting for for fantasy owners, too. I think it'll be a running back by committee, at least to begin the year, where maybe they're sharing the ball a bit. What's interesting about Williams is he's had a really productive back-to-back playoffs, where I think he had 10 touchdowns, all these yards. Might be the most productive non-Mahomes player for the Chiefs when you look at all the numbers combined. Thing is, he can't stay healthy during the regular season. If you were to ask me, do you bet that Damian Williams is gonna last sixteen games, I'd say no, because he just hasn't been able to do it. That could open the door for for Clyde and and even if he is able to stay healthy, I think Clyde is a little bit more of a three down back than Damian would be. And and that's what the Chiefs see him as. So as the season goes on, like I said, even if Williams is healthy, I think you see Clyde get more and more and more touches. And this is something I think that is just generally sometimes lost in the nfl when you talk to fans and stuff rookies can change so rookie could be really raw in week one and then by week 12 he can be a completely different player because he's finally used to the nfl in that game and so i think clyde's the type of guy just like any rookie that can get better as the year goes along so that's where you see the more and more carries as the year goes along
1: yeah and i I mean it it felt like you saw that last year too with miles sanders and and josh jacobs who jacobs exploded out of the gate a lot more but um just became an offensive powerhouse. We got hurt toward on. the end of the year too. And that yeah, was a, that was as a well. Problem
3: with Jacobs, yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Jonesy, you got a question?
2: Uh, yeah. So I mean, obviously, I mean, you talked about how Andy Reid got the quarterback he's always dreamed of in Mahomes, the, the guy who can do it all. I mean, obviously, his new contract is at the front of the minds of Chiefs fans and the organization, and it's expected to be around 200 million. Uh, according to the Kansas City Star today, negotiations have begun, and the deal will be quote unlike any other. I mean, we saw the Rodgers deal in Green Bay kind of tie their hands a little bit in terms of building a complete team. So, I mean, what kind of position do you think this leaves the Chiefs in with such a huge deal? I mean, do they spend whatever they have left to load up the defense, or is surrounding Mahomes with weapons still the primary objective?
3: Man, it's such an interesting question, because if the NFL salary cap didn't exist, the contract for Patrick Mahomes would be nuts. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you, you almost couldn't pay him enough money for what he's able to do for you as a franchise and the amount of tickets and merchandise and TV and absolutely, yeah, the list goes on and on what that would be worth. So the NFL ca- salary cap, it, it does throw a wrench in it. And so what some people are suggesting, I saw pro football talk say this as well, is you give him a percentage of the salary cap and it could be renegotiated or you put certain terminology in your contract where rather than saying, okay, he's going to make X money per year. If the salary cap goes up, he's making more money. If it goes down, he's making... And that is an actual problem this year because it actually may go down for the first time. I don't even know how many years, but a really long time where the salary cap would go down instead of up with all the COVID stuff. So for this one to two year period, that might benefit the Chiefs in the sense that they don't have to commit all of this money to Mahomes because knowing that he's tied to the salary cap percentage, he may make a little bit less that first year where it could benefit. Mahomes is okay. You get to year two or three, 2021, 2022, all of a sudden that percentage is going up and up and up. And you can see that with his uh, contract. What's interesting about it though, is it'll set a new precedent for the NFL because you've seen how these quarterbacks work. Like you'll turn around one day and Carson Palmer will be the highest paid quarterback, Kirk Cousins, because it's just the next quarterback up. So they sort of follow suit more than any other position. So you you tend to wonder if Mahomes does get that salary that is tied to the salary cap number, will this be how Dak Prescott does his deal? How Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, who should be coming up soon, will they start Mm -hmm. to say, well, we want a percentage too? How does that affect players like... Um, a Camille, a Khalil Mack comes to mind where maybe he's not a quarterback, you know, but maybe Nick Bosa, he he's that important of a player for your team where now they want that. It, it could change the entire league. And, and it's fascinating, both from Kansas City standpoint, because they want this damn thing done as soon as possible. And then for the rest of the NFL, how is this going to impact contracts moving into the future?
2: Right. That's a really interesting point about setting that whole new precedent. Uh, And I actually have a follow up. Do you think that there's any chance that Mahomes is the kind of guy to take a pay cut in order to keep this team together?
3: You know, I think I think he is. I don't know if pay cut is the right word. I think I'll put it this way. So I think, you know, in your first contract, you have to make your money. Right. Because no one knows the future anything can happen I mean not to get morbid but you, you you're, you're not guaranteed tomorrow I mean look at Kobe Bryant out of the blue like just you know no you know with, with that whole tragedy and stuff like that. you've seen worse injuries you know uh, and when it comes to sports someone's career is over. look at Alex Smith who was a chief and then moves to Washington all of a sudden you snap your fingers. he may never play another game again. so I think you got to get your money. Where I could see Mahomes adapting is just being a little bit more flexible where he says okay, we are all in on hashtag #running it back for 2020. Let's yeah. let's push the money further down the line, and m- maybe I won't make X amount in 2020, but damn, I better be getting 50 million in 2022, and then that gives the right. Chiefs a little bit of time to figure it out. So, I think in this initial contract, no on the pay cut, but definitely to the point where he'll have conversations with his representation. And Mahomes, I truly buy this genuine feeling of wanting to be historic and wanting to be like Michael Jordan. And there are conversations that need to be made there. Now, you talk about a pay cut. I would say, again, this is thinking really far down the line, but say you get to contract number two, where you start to enter Tom Brady territory. Like, what if by then he has three titles? He's going to want to keep it competitive in Kansas City. I think for contract two, you might be looking, as long as Mahomes is still rolling, at a potential Cut in the sense of I'm going to take less because I know if I can start to approach what could be by then six championships, that's going to be more beneficial for me in my <laughs> lifetime as far as endorsements and stuff like that. it's I know that's wild to say. Oh, it, watch, it just
2: makes me smile. Well, the yeah. thing that's
3: crazy is it's really not that unfathomable. Like it's not that hard to imagine. I and I, I it it took me a while to adjust that too because as a sports journalist and analyst, you try to be as honest as possible. Like back in the Alex Smith days when I was covering Alex Smith, you sort of had to curb people's expectations. Like the chiefs are not as good as this last Alex Smith game was. Now it's like you almost have to convince people you're not crazy for saying things like, yeah, I could see Andy Reid chasing Bill Belichick, even though again, he is five titles behind and at the age of 60, because in the next 10 years you blink Maybe by the time Andy Reid is 70, the Chiefs have three or four. And isn't he going to be hungry to try to push it a little bit to maybe get to six and be one of the best coaches of all time? So, like, I don't know. It It is an interesting conversation to have for sure.
2: Right. I mean, I've been trying to convince people I'm not crazy ever since week one of last year against the Chargers when I immediately said Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen. And, I mean, people <laughs> laughed at me. But, you know, it's holding true so far, so I'm going to stick to it for now. Well, I mean, Pete, have you
1: seen a quarterback step into the league like this just and just truly dominate, maybe even just an athlete in general? I mean, the first one that comes to mind and I was really young when he jumped into the NBA, but was like LeBron James. Like, it doesn't feel like we've had this dominant of an athlete so
3: quickly. It was the perfect storm. Right. So you have Patrick Mahomes with all this raw talent. No offense to Buffalo, but if the Chiefs don't make that trade and he goes to Buffalo, he's not performing this well. He just isn't. And so you see the Chiefs trade up 18 picks for Patrick Mahomes. And a big part of that is the fact that, okay, so they're trading up 18 picks. They were supposed to pick 28th. What does that mean? It means you're one of the best four or five teams in the league if you're picking that high in the draft. So rather than entering a team with no pieces, he enters what would be the best or one of the better teams in the league a lot of times you see guys with this amount of talent go to one of the 10 worst teams in the league which is where he was picked and so that helps a lot and then the mind of andy Reid. so andy reed can see the player that he has and he could maximize the talent he looks at the weapons and he, has, he says okay we have travis kelsey tyree kill we need a guy like patrick mahomes kind of fell in love with his mind everything that you hear about mahomes is that he has this photogenic image driven mind where he can callback plays and things like that and, and really, you know, and as we've seen Reed develop him, he's only gotten better and better. And you saw, like, the numbers, and I think some of this was injuries too, but the numbers took a slight hit last year and, and it's because, like, I think he was a little bit more methodical and he was following maybe what Andy Reid wanted to do a little bit more, more control of the game, where that first year, 50 touchdowns, you saw just pure backyard football, and he just was beating guys like that, but now you're seeing the Chiefs methodically win, and I think you'll probably see numbers similar to what we had last year, but again, more success as his career goes on. Well, and and you
1: mentioned Alex Smith a couple times uh, in your prior answers. How much in that first year, I mean, obviously Mahomes plays Week 17 against Denver, but how much do you think, Alex Smith impacted Mahomes' development and his mind, especially. You speak uh, going back to this past year on how he was more methodical, and that's that's if you're describing Alex Smith to a T, it feels like methodical is the word.
3: Yeah, it it was an incredible job by Alex to handle the situation that the way he did. I mean, he wasn't happy at the beginning. It, there was some hard feelings, and then quickly it felt like he overcame them and said, "I'm I'm just going to try to go out and have the best year that I can." And with, um, I'm going to go out and try to have the best year that I can. And he went and did that. And all the while he was training this quarterback who he knew would be taking his job. Like imagine, you know, I know you guys are probably students or you're going on your first job, whatever, and you're really passionate about it. And they bring in and who's someone who's going to be your replacement, and you're supposed to train this guy knowing that at the end of the year you're going to get fired and you do it with a smile on your face and you still give 110%. That's essentially what Alex Smith did. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, whenever they're asked after the fact, okay, what did Alex Smith mean to you? A common read phrase is, well, Patrick Mahomes owes him a mansion for what he was able to, to give him in that year. And really what it did is it made him from a college athlete where – Again, you don't have to manage as much to a pro. And he learned how to be a pro from Alex Smith. Ends up taking that year, turning into one final game where he dazzled week 17 on a few plays. And the Chiefs said, OK, he's ready to go for next year. And then they end up trading Alex Smith. But tremendously thankful. And Patrick Mahomes says that he, he actually talks to Alex Smith every so often, every couple of months. And you could ask anyone in Kansas City, knowing that everybody is rooting for alex to be able to someday play again as he comes back from this injury you recently saw that that e60 where he's getting close and so i'm eager to see if he's able to do it you mentioned yeah, I, uh ooh,
2: oh, go, no, ahead, Ian. No, go ahead go ahead oh yeah i was just gonna say i mean i think one of the things like you brought up how Mahomes or alex mahomes knows alex smith i mean i think chiefs fans definitely all have the utmost respect for alex smith for just the way he handled that situation and kind of took mahomes under his wing and like you said, acknowledge that he was going to end up replacing him. But I mean, I think I speak for all chiefs when I say we all just have the utmost respect for Alex Smith and the way he handled the situation.
3: Yeah, it couldn't have been any better. I I think I think you've seen even some of the greats like Brett Favre. That is a small stain on what was an outstanding career of like, well, Aaron Rodgers comes in and they have all these problems and it led to a really messy ending. It could have been Messi in Kansas City, where Alex was like, "I'm not going to talk to him." But he just isn't like that. He's a he's a good person, and that's why, you know, you hear that stupid phrase. Sometimes the worst things in the world happen to the best people. I truly feel that way about Alex Smith with this injury, and thankfully, it seems like he he may have a chance to play again, which is unbelievable.
1: Well, and it's funny you mentioned Green Bay. There's <laughs> a lot of potential for something similar to happen again. It seems like, but you also mentioned Andy Reid um, chasing after Bill Belichick. Do you think there's any similarity? Um, in, in the Alex Smith, uh, Patrick Mahomes scenario that as
3: there was to drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady at the beginning of Brady's career, I I think only because of the year that Alex Smith was able to have at the end, this was the best year of Alex, Alex's career and the chiefs were rolling. They ended up losing the playoff game. The last game that Alex Smith played more so because Travis Kelsey missed half the game than anything else. I mean, when you took Travis Kelsey out of the game because of a concussion, And the Titans storm back. Something freakish had to happen with a touchdown pass to himself by Marcus Mariota. The referee had really like two ridiculous, questionable calls. Not that you want to blame it on the referee, but there was an insane stoppage of forward progress that would have went for a touchdown fumble return. So just insane, insane circumstances. And he never really got another shot, you know, to 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 take over the reins just because of, of the circumstances. And there were a lot of Chiefs fans that were upset. And I, I remember at the time, Travis Kelsey wasn't even thrilled about just handing the keys to Patrick Mahomes based upon what Alex was able to do that final year in Kansas City. And so I think that's why he was able to get, I would say, a pseudo mega contract with the Washington Redskins and Again, people were were curious as to whether Mahomes would work, but I think by like week four or week five or whatever it was in that 2018 season, people were really starting to freak out in Kansas City.
2: Yeah, I mean, so you've spoken to Andy Reid and obviously his incredible ability as a head coach. Uh, One area where we could end up seeing a little bit of an evolution of his coaching is the proposed rule change that the NFL will be voting on is to allow teams to attempt a fourth and 15 from their own 25-yard line in replacement of an onside kick Uh, i mean patrick mahomes tweeted about the rule change proposal uh pretty much giving the impression that he wasn't sweating it too much and that fourth and 15 wasn't a huge deal to him and i mean probably rightfully so But i mean what do you think of this proposed rule change and what it could mean for the chiefs and andy reid
3: yeah i i know there's a lot of people in kansas city that are like well the chiefs are going to be up 21 nothing before the other team touches the ball because you're allowed to do it while you're you're up but They'll still, treated as an onside kick. I mean, I think the Chiefs are compared to the rest of the low league in a slightly, at least to most teams, better position to convert fourth and fifteen than you know maybe you, you would say like the Miami Dolphins at this point if you, if you have Fitzpatrick or you know we talked about the Chargers with Tyrod Taylor and I just I think they're in a better position than other teams, but I don't think they're going to like abuse the rule because if you look at the percentages, I mean, it's still it's It's quite a feat to convert fourth and fifteen, especially when you think about it as an untimed down. and the team is defensively is going to be able to prepare it. Where it gets interesting is like it'll be treated like a cl- like a regular fourth and fifteen. So mm-hmm. how penalties come into play. I mean, you could have a really good play drawn up where someone gets open. Think about Andy Reid's mind, and the defensive player knows how important this is, just pulls down the player. And then all of a sudden, the Chiefs have the ball again. And so right. I think that I think the Chiefs will use it the same amount of percentage as they would an onside kick, and it's rare the Chiefs have to do that. Don't forget, this is insane too, ever since Patrick Mahomes took over, they haven't lost by more than a score. Think about that. That's crazy. So they're they're rarely in a position where they're having to crawl back in games. But right. if they are, they're better positioned than other teams to keep the ball if they need to. And so... Whether that's fair or not, well, I think you just say to other teams at that point, "Well, go get a quarterback then," you know.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so far we've seen 15 yards is not too big of a deal for Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, kind of on the flip side of the ball here. I mean, obviously, last all se- last off season last offseason, we added a ton of defensive pieces from Tyron Matthew to Frank Clark and spags took over the defense we even drafted juan thornhill um but in my opinion that's what chiefs what put the chiefs over the top this year and allowed them to achieve what they did but i mean what do you think the future looks like for all these guys in kansas city because i mean we've talked about the contract and how that's going to take up a large amount of the money that we have to spend on guys i mean just what do you think the future looks like for these guys
3: as long as they can continue to keep their core pieces and, and that, the, so far it's so good. It seems like they've been able to do that. I'm, I'm curious as to what happens with Chris Jones because of just how important he was in that Super Bowl with the batted down passes in the fourth quarter to give the Chiefs back the ball. But as long as you can keep these core guys and start, a, start that New England process where you, you pay the guys that you think you can't replace and you let the other ones walk for more than they're worth value-wise and so you get compensatory picks, uh, I think they're in good position to, to maybe start to create this dynasty where where teams really fail is when it, it, it seems like the players get a little too um, obsessed with what their own value is, as opposed to we can do something really special in Kansas City. And as long as they keep winning, the coaching mm-hmm. staff ha- seems to have control of that. And, and we saw it with Sammy Watkins. I really started to think that there was no way Sammy would be back. I think the Chiefs would have to trade him because they weren't going to be able to pay him what they did. And somehow, some way, I think based upon the ability and and the promise to at least be within the Super Bowl mix once again, Sammy was able to come back with an affordable deal. As long as you continue to take measures like that, I think the sky's the limit. And we could see them in the Super Bowl conversation for the next five to ten years at least. And and again, we'll, we'll see how it goes.
2: God, that just I love hearing that just Super Bowl conversation for the next decade. God. Yeah. <laughs> Gochi, I mean, yeah. But I mean, obviously, all those guys, I mean, they performed extremely well. I mean, the Honey Badger made big plays at game after game throughout the regular season. I mean, Frank Clark had a game ceiling sack in every game of the postseason. I mean, and Juan Thornhill, I mean, he looked like the real deal until he got hurt. I mean, I'm really excited for that guy's future. But I mean, it's just with the Chiefs' defense, so much of it, I feel like um, the outside world kind of attributes to Arrowhead Stadium. And with the current state of the world, I mean, it looks more and more likely that the 2020 NFL season is going to be played without fans at games. So, I mean, what sort of impact do you think that has for a team who has one of the biggest home field or, should I say, home crowd advantages in all of sports? And I mean, are we going to see the Chiefs, how much the Chiefs really rely on the power of Arrowhead?
3: Yeah, I I think it'll be interesting. I I don't think it'll necessarily affect your win and losses. I, I, I think there still is an advantage of just simply staying home. You know, and Andy Reid noted that in his last press conference where you're not having to travel from coast to coast and you can just stay in, in your own home and there's comfort there. And, yeah, I think you, you'd rather have the Arrowhead crowd than not. I, you know, you said you're a Chiefs fan. You've seen that the crowd can cause delay of game penalties and false starts and some of those little things and momentum swings and whatnot. But there's enough of an advantage in simply staying at a home where I think it's hard to, for me to believe that you take away fans and it's gonna lead to a win or a loss where you wouldn't have gotten you know what what the other result was well Pete,
1: we uh, really appreciate you ha- having uh, you coming on the show but before we let you go, we want to ask do you have a record prediction for the Chiefs next year
3: I do right now i I have them at at thirteen and three at this point. I think the beginning of the season is is it's a tough ask for them to to go sweep right through. And I especially look at that sequence where they have I think it's the Raiders and then having to the travel the Buffalo. We just talked about traveling. That's a tough stretch. And and it's hard for me to believe that they get out of there perfect. I think you see some bumps at the beginning. I have their losses right now to the Ravens on the road, the Broncos on the road and the Saints on the road. But again, would I be surprised if they win any of those games? No. I mean, that's that's what Patrick Mahomes and the culture he's created in Kansas City tells me. So we'll see. But yes, I, I, I think they're competing for the top record in the AFC with 13 wins.
1: Well, Pete, thank you so much for coming on. For those of you who don't know, you can follow Pete at PG S-W-E-E-N, S-W-E-E-N on Twitter. Pete, thanks so much for coming on.
3: Don't shove sand up a flea's ass in there. Knock on wood if you're
1: with it. And we are now back after that great interview with Pete Sweeney. Again, Pete, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciated it. Um, but boys, let's transition from football to all of our favorite sports. Hockey is back. The NHL is the NHL is back. They announced uh, how how their season is going to resume, and uh, I personally am so excited. Ian just put on the John Lennon glasses. Things are getting intense. But for those of you who don't know, let me explain the playoff format to you. So how it's going to work, 12 teams from each conference will be in these playoffs. Jonesy, I literally am looking at you, and I cannot take you seriously.
2: You have to. I'm sorry.
1: Folks, you have to imagine the biggest D-bag in the world, and that's what I'm looking at right now.
2: (laughs) Okay. With these (laughs) circles. They're staying on. I'm sorry.
1: That's my best friend. But anyways, 12 12 teams from each conference are going to be in, and how it's going to work is the 5 through 12 seeds in each conference will play in a 5-game series dubbed as the qualifying round. That round will have playoff OT rules and and all that. But for the top 4 seeds, it's interesting. The Lightning actually, when it was brought to the NHLPA, originally voted against the 2014 playoff uh since at the time there was no proposed uh round or games for the top 4 seeds to to play and so they they voted against it because the teams that would actually be getting a a bye wouldn't really be getting an advantage in fact they'd be getting a disadvantage because they wouldn't have seen game action prior to prior to the first round so th- those those lower seeded teams say Pittsburgh who's the f- the 5 seed w- were to play Philadelphia being the 4 seed Pens would actually have an advantage because they got three games of intense game action going into a a series. But that problem was solved as the one through four seeds are actually going to be playing in a round robin where each team plays each other once to reseed the top four uh, of each conference with regular season OT rules. That being a five minute three on three and a followed by a shootout. if still tied. So folks, your top four seeds in each conference are in the East, Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, and the Philadelphia Flyers. In the West, it's the St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche, Vegas Golden Knights, and the Dallas Stars. The Eastern Conference matchups are the five Pittsburgh Penguins playing the 12-seeded Montreal Canadiens, six-seeded Carolina Hurricanes playing the 11-seeded New York Rangers, the Rags, Brian's Rags. At the seventh seed, the New York Islanders playing the Sonk Daddies, also known as the Florida Panthers, Uh, eight-seeded Toronto Maple Leafs playing the Columbus Blue Jackets, and in the West, we have the five-seeded Edmonton Oilers with three of the last four years' Art Ross Trophy winners uh, playing the 12-seeded Chicago Blackhawks, the six-seeded Nashville Predators playing the 11-seeded Arizona Coyotes, the seven-seeded Vancouver Canucks playing the 10-seeded Minnesota uh, Wild. And lastly, last but not least, the eight-seeded Calgary Flames playing the nine-seed Winnipeg Jets. Now, guys, I'm interested in both of your thoughts on the format in general.
2: I love it. I mean, I like you said, I mean, it's innovative, it's exciting, it's something new, it's something we haven't seen before. Um, I mean, when you look at it, there's a lot of different ways that this could be interpreted and the ways that it's going to end up panning out. I like that the OT rules are going to be pl- off for the uh, 5 through 12 seed games I'm not so sure how I feel about the regular season OT applying to the top seed round robin play but I mean we'll see how it goes um, I think when you look at the matchups I mean i am logging away from the format a little bit when you look at the matchups I feel like this could definitely end up just screwing the Toronto Maple Leafs I mean I don't think they're in a great position coming into the playoffs had they commenced in the traditional sense but I mean Columbus is a team that's kind of known to take some good teams out of the playoffs, and I feel like they might just do it again against Toronto this year. I mean, I don't know. I'm excited for what it's going to bring. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really fun to watch. I mean, playoff hockey is the best version of any sport on the planet. So, we'll see how it goes, but I am definitely pumped up for this playoff.
1: I think it's, I mean, you say Columbus could make some surprises. I mean, last year's team was obviously a lot more star-studded with Panera and Duchesne. uh, Right. Bob in the net. But, I I mean, it's so interesting. Brian... Your New York Rangers actually caused the higher-seeded team to vote against this since they spanked them four times in the regular season. What are your thoughts on the on the format?
0: I love this format, and it reminds me so much of youth hockey. And I tweeted this out earlier in the week. And you might be asking yourself why youth hockey? Because when you were growing up, and if you were really serious about playing, you'd go join tournament teams and you'd play round-robin tournament team, to chowder cups. I remember going up to the chowder cup multiple times. Like having that much fun on the road, being being close with guys that you never really met before, and after a weekend you were like, "Hey, I'd love to go play a full season with them." Just this round robin style of tournament, you know, focusing on the one game at a time. Like we gotta win this tournament, we gotta win this game here, we gotta grab these points. Not looking, oh, we have like you know X amount of games in the future. Like it reminds me so much of youth hockey and reminds me of so much of summer hockey. And I think they're hitting it really, really well on the format. Now the timing of it, I have an issue with because. I'm losing part of, we're pushing back 2021 to January, supposedly, with this tournament. And I get it, you know, there's a time circumstance and everything, but we're not rewarding a cup winner until somewhere in the fall, like where you'd see the World Series. So this is starting to spill over into the next year. So I'm not a fan of pushing it back. Format-wise, beautiful. Rangers-wise, you know, they're getting a chance. And that's what I really wanted to see happen, because that team was really clicking. They were coming on strong. They were finding the stride. And yeah, I mean, the Hurricanes should be afraid. And I also think another reason for the Hurricanes voting no, and no one really talks about it, is that they're an organization that desperately needs money. And if you're a player, you're thinking, you know, Tom Dundon, obviously, new owner, but they, they barely skate by uh, dollar-wise. And they might be thinking to themselves, I know they guaranteed contracts, but, you know, what happens if something happens? Like, seriously, if you think about it, what happens if the organization can't meet, uh, meet ends? Like they run out of money. Like Tom Dundon had a terrible investment in the AAF. Like if they run out of money, I know they're guaranteed. The NHL will probably back it up, but say something out of the blue really happens. Like you're losing out on fan revenue. You're losing out on all this stuff. Like revenue is always a big thing. If you're a player, you're you're getting paid a, a good amount of money. You want to make sure you get paid that. So I think money. I think money crept in a little bit. I know it's more of a stretch, but it's something to just, to just think about.
1: Yeah, and I mean. I'm I think that's an interesting point. Do you guys have any uh, thoughts on any teams that might have gotten screwed? I mean, Carolina might be one, but that also could be that the Rangers were just surging and, and that's how it all worked out. But do you think any Storm teams got?
0: They
2: were. Yeah.
1: Do you think any teams got like definitively screwed out of this?
2: Um, I mean, I don't think anyone really got screwed. I mean, teams made the playoffs that shouldn't have. I mean, I mean that might screw up their. Tr- position or whatever I don't really know how the draft's working with all this I haven't looked too far into that but I think what's more interesting than teams getting screwed is the teams that might get a significant advantage and there's only going to be two of them is the teams that are going to end up playing or the the teams that are going to end up having the hub cities at their home arena I mean obviously there's not going to be fans well, well, of the games I'll but just cut you off
1: there because Batman already said that if like the Blackhawks or if they choose Chicago as a hub city the Blackhawks won't be
2: playing there really? Huh. Yeah. Okay. So I, play. I didn't know that never mind no it's Screw all good
3: yeah, I, I it's all good. It. I okay. just didn't
1: want you to go on a tangent that uh, was unnecessary. I, I think, I think a couple teams get screwed here. I mean, if you're Boston or St. Louis, I think you're looking at yourself and and you're like, wait. So, especially Boston, like I want We won the Presidents' Trophy this year, but we got to come back and play three games and against some really really good teams that were all surging, especially Tampa and Philly. Uh, when when we paused just to reclaim my one seed that I reason that we reasonably earned in, in the regular season. I I think it's actually it's a great idea from the NHL's perspective, but if I were either of the one seeds, you have no there's so much so much more of a chance that you're going to, you know, go down in the standings or go lose your seeding, I should say, and, and end up having to play a way harder team in, in what's the actual first round. So that being said, it, there's so much upside for the Flyers and, and, and Dallas where you're getting an opportunity to go play these teams in a one game, one game, anything can happen. And it's basically in the East. It's okay. We do not want to play Pittsburgh. Any that, that's, I mean, Sid Gino, a healthy Gensel. You never know. You never know. And both their goalies have, have either been strong this year. And I, I know we talked about that at length in a recent episode, but, or I mean, Murray has a lot of playoff success, obviously two cups,
0: Brian, go ahead. Not a little different. It just popped my head. Not talking about these Taylor Hall finally made the playoffs.
1: Oh, yeah. well, do we, do we count the qualifying round as the playoffs?
0: That's good enough for me in my book.
1: Good, good for the heart. It's well,
0: season play, baby.
1: Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting, but I think, look, I think if, if you're, I think the top three teams in the West are pretty much going to go chalk through the, the West playoffs don't really scare me. It, Looking through the qualifying round matchups though, I think if there's one upset that I, so here's what I'll say. I don't think the Rangers beating Carolina would necessarily be an upset because I think the Rangers had a pretty good chance of sneaking in as the eight seed at the end there. Um, just with how, how well they were playing. Um, but in the West, I think, I think there's a legitimate chance that Chicago could beat Edmonton. And, and I say that because Patrick Kane has always been a big game player he could pump out three points every game. He really could. There,
2: yeah, he's that guy.
1: Yeah. If Corey Crawford's healthy, he's very solid. And I trust him a lot more than Mike Smith. I mean, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and, and when Leo and, and Connor are not on the ice, the Oilers are just a completely different team. I, I just think that Chicago could easily beat Edmonton. And I say easily, just it, it's very easy to imagine. That being said, I also think Minnesota's been very underrated, and, and that Vancouver's not just going to walk through them. I mean, Pedersen and Besser don't have any playoff experience. Same with Quinn Hughes. So this will be their first taste. While Minnesota has uh, somewhat of a veteran-laden team with, with still having guys like Jared Spurgeon and and Devin Dubnik, even though Dubnik has been pretty weak this year. But looking at the East, I think I think Collar. Uh, I I know we said I. I just said that Columbus doesn't have that star power from last year, but I think that series is either going to go, is going to go very strongly in either team's favor. meaning that I think Toronto or Columbus is probably going to win in four games. If Columbus comes out and plays their strong team game where they just sit back and wait for you to make a mistake, I think they could easily be a Toronto team. That's trying to hive to play some high flying hockey. But that being said, Toronto is also so skilled up front with, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, Hyman, etc. that they could easily just wipe the floor with a pretty underwhelming Columbus Rock roster.
2: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, I'm looking more towards the round-robin side of things because this is where we're going to end up seeing the top teams shake out. And, I mean, I look at the West. I mean, obviously, every team there is solid and every team there has a chance. But I think when you look at Colorado, I think they're definitely the team that's going to, in my opinion, I think they're the team that's going to come out the one seed in the west just because i think they have the talent up front they've got some skill at the defensive side And i mean when you look at their ability to like come together and play as a whole team and play a complete game i think they're one of the best teams in the league that can do that behind like boston tampa and maybe washington but i mean it's it's wide open as far as the seating goes but i definitely think colorado is going to end up coming out of the west i mean that i could obviously be wrong but that's my opinion right now I think when you look at the East, I think Philly could definitely end up making a run. They were hot towards the end of the year. They're a cohesive team. They know what's up. And I mean, you're smirking over there because you know you know it's definitely a real possibility. And I mean, we we talked about it before we started recording. I mean, it would be the most Flyers thing in the world for them to end up end up winning the Quarantine Cup. I mean, it's just it's kind of a perfect storm in Philly right now in terms of just the weirdest thing possible lead to the weirdest team winning the cup and i think i would love to see philly end up winning just for your sake noah but we'll see what happens i i like i said i really just can't wait to see some playoff hockey
1: yeah i completely agree and actually i think one other big thing going for colorado is that all year they were struggling so much with their health and they finally had a lot of time to get healthy and they'll come back with a full team presumably uh not any huge losses And and finally be able to to play that run and gun hockey they love with with Cal McCarr leading them on the back end and, and McKinnon Ranton and, and and McKinnon or er, not McKinnon. McKinnon Ranton and Landis Cog leading them in the front. I mean they've just been so solid uh and, and they just have such potential. In the East, I think as much as I, I think the Flyers are gonna do well, I think they could end up being the second seed coming out of the round Robin, but just because they struggle so much with Tampa. I think Tampa is built so well, so well for this format just because they're so skilled. They're so veteran laden, but they also have a good amount of youth mixed in and, and you look, they trade for trade for good depth at the deadline too, getting, um, Gudro from, from San Jose. And, and they have all the skill in the world up front with, with Stammer and point and Kucherov and, and you've got the best defenseman in the world, debatably. I would say he's the best defenseman in the world in Victor Hedman and 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 the best goalie in the world, debatably, in Vasilevsky, obviously the reigning uh, Vesna winner. But I think they're built so well for this. But that being said, Boston was the President's, president's Trophy winner for a reason. They're loaded. Tuka's the frontrunner for the Vesna this year. And, and obviously now that postseason awards are finalized in the sense that you know, like Art Ross and the, and the Rocket Richard and whatnot uh, are, have been finalized. It, it's easy to see him getting the Vesna. But, Jonesy, I, I really like what you said, said about the Flyers. I mean, obviously it's me being optimistic because this is the first really actually legit good team they've had in a long time. But when that season came to a pause, they had just come off of beating the Caps. They had beat Boston. And they were playing such strong team hockey – they finally have good depth. They've got the funniest guy in the league, and Hay- and Kevin Hayes, the best one. And I mean, Abatable. yeah, I know. I'm just saying it because he's up for the award. But um, I mean, when I just when I look at the Flyers, they've got a really good mix of young and old, and that's why I think Tampa and Colorado are going to do well. They've got a good mix of veterans and youth, um, driving their team, and and I think hopefully this time I think a big X factor for the Flyers is Shane Gostisbehere. And I say that because he has been so underwhelming since his huge 65-point 60, season. But I'm hoping this time off has given him some time to refocus. And, and if you have an elite Shane Gosper back with Ivan Proveron and Matt Niskanen, who have been maybe the most undercover pair in the league this year, just dominating, you've got Travis Sandheim and Phil Myers, and then you've got uh, Robert Haig and Justin Braun, where Shane Gossespierre could... Presumably, fits perfectly with Braun in the sense that he's a puck mover. He's skilled. Braun is a stay-at-home guy who he always can rely on. I think if you've got an elite Shane Goss to bear back or or just a very good one, I think that makes a world of difference for the Flyers and and could really push them from good to great. But yeah, I, I think I think this is going to be incredible. And and I honestly would would you guys be depending? Obviously, this is going to be depending on how it goes, but. I've even talked about it with my dad, where it's like, I'd be cool cutting off 10 games of the regular season to install this as the actual playoff format. But at the same time, I think it devalues the regular season a bit because then 24 of 32 teams are getting into the playoffs. So, I mean, what are your guys thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it definitely devalues the regular season too much. I think 24 is probably too many teams making the playoffs and if you're talking for a consistent basis for an every year kind of thing I, I like the format we've said it I like it but I mean it's just you need some sort of competition to get into the playoffs and, I mean when only eight teams in your conference are making it you're really pushing to get into that top half and when you add four more teams from each conference and I think that kind of takes away from that competitive spirit a little bit
0: You'd be awarding mediocrity, too. Yep. Like, Montreal should not be there. Chicago should definitely shouldn't be here. Like, both those teams I watched a lot this year, and they their defensive zones and their neutral zones, like, it looked like you could slide, like take a hot knife through butter. It was, they were really unstructured and struggled a lot. Especially, and Obviously, it's been a while, so it, literally anything can happen right now. Any of these teams can make a run. Everyone's healthy. You know, you just got to get on the same page. But it definitely devalues and puts less weight on what we what we pride ourselves in pushing for and being that elite company.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree. And and again, mention I just think it's so interesting. What about and we talked about it with the NBA potentially adding a in season tournament? Would you be interested in in a some some form of in season tournament where a team that wins could guarantee themselves a a top two seed in their division so that they're getting home ice, at least in the first round. Or do you think the NHL should just stick with its 82 games and, and normal playoffs when, when we can go back to normal?
2: I, I think they've got a good thing going right now. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think the 82 games, 18 playoffs from each conference works. I don't think there's really a reason to mess with it. The only reason we had to mess with it this year was obviously because of the whole COVID situation, but I, it's just, it's kind of up to, it's, Viewer's interpretation here. You got to think about what's most important. And I think competition and parity is the most important thing in hockey. And when you start talking about guaranteed spots in the playoffs or guaranteed divisional rankings, it's just, it kind of takes away from the competition a little bit. And I think that's the thing that hockey has over every other sport is that it's definitely the most competitive league. It's definitely the league with the most parity. Like any team can beat anyone any given night. So that's kind of my two cents on it. But Brian, what do you got?
0: Just fix the format to get in the playoffs. Make it one through eight. Yep. None of this wild card BS. But otherwise, keep it the same. Just figure out the rest of the format. Fix that, and we're okay here.
1: That's how I feel as well, Brian. It was more just a question for discussion's sake. But folks, that is going to be the episode for today. That is all the time we have. Follow, follow the pup pod on Instagram and Twitter at the pup pod. Uh, follow Ian at
2: uh, Ian Jones underscore seventeen.
1: And follow Brian at Hockey 411 on Twitter and Brian underscore Anderson2 on Instagram. Follow me at Njanofsky 55 on Twitter and at JANOVSKY55 on Instagram. It's You know, it's been a couple weeks, Jonesy, but r- remind me what they say.
2: Those who can't play, podcast.
1: We love you guys.
0: You've just listened to another fire episode of The Pub Pod. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at The Pup Pod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. See you guys next week.